This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. As ever, we'll chat all things Saints FC, focusing on the last seven days in and around Fortress St Mary's. That includes a look back at the latest match against Leicester City, which ended with a superb 2-1 win. We'll also reflect briefly on the Fan Forum event that took place last Wednesday, particularly focusing on some comments from Ralph Hasenhutl. Finally, we'll look forward as we preview next weekend's Premier League fixture against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Joining me as always this week are Lucy, Glenn and Steve, the latter two fresh from recording, of course, our 100th episode on Friday night just gone. Um, Steve, Glenn, recovered from that? Yeah, just about. Um, yeah, nice nice leisurely drive back up to uh, sunny Croydon. Um, <laughs> only about, about an hour and a half or so, so that was, that was decent. For those that don't know, um, obviously those that were there will know, but Steve won the uh, Michael Obafemi match-worn shirt in the auction. So did you sort of have it draped over the front seat, Steve, or...? Uh, no, I put it in the boot. Um, <laughs> that was the sa- figured that was the safest place. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, hanging up in my wardrobe right now. Excellent, excellent. And uh, Glenn, you uh, over it as well? Yeah, just about. It took me slightly less than an hour and a half to drive back to the other side of Southampton. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, but no, all, all good. Yep. It's a bit like watching Saints at the moment. You go into it dreading it and uh, come out and it was actually not too bad. It's a bit like the dentist, <laughs> isn't it? There we go. So yeah, no, good, good. And you're just, just obviously we can't leave you out, Lucy. Sheffield, you, Mr. Hynet, etc. Everyone all right? Yeah, yeah, all good, yeah. I've not got a lot to comment on. Still waiting to try and buy a house. Not going that well. But there we go. All good. I feel that's been, that's almost been as much of a roller coaster as Saints season, your, your house buying. Hopefully by the end of the season, Saints will finish (laughs) sixth and you'll have a house and we'll all be happy. (laughs) I wouldn't count on it. (laughs) There we go. So no, great. Well, it it was a great night. And, uh, you know, I think just to reiterate, um, 
the pod will come out in a couple of weeks time as everyone will know that was there but um, you know just uh, to say thank you again to everyone that came along it was a, a really fantastic evening um, it felt right from the off that there was a really good feel good factor around you know we've spoken about that I think just because of Saints and of course that will only be increased after the uh, the win at uh, Leicester and uh, you know it was good to meet everyone good to hear from everyone good to see so much fantastic support for the Saints Foundation and of course as I think most people will know if uh, you've seen our social media we did manage to achieve our uh, target of a thousand pound on the night to help the foundations work so you know really incredible and very grateful to anyone and as I say that will be out the 25th to the 26th of January that weekend by the time I've edited it and we've done the TSP 98 today and 99 next week um look let's get on with it for now sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk and partner with saintsworld.co.uk and saintsarchive.com this is TSP 98 me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. Happyhottubs.co.uk Game 22 of the season saw us head up to the King Power Stadium to face Brendan Rodgers' Foxes, ultimately finishing 2-1 to Saints on Jamie Vardy's birthday. Zing! It was actually one day short of exactly 12 months since we'd beaten them uh, the last time there, 2-1. Steve, before the game started, Leicester were playing the uh, highlights of the... Uh, I've got Neil hyphen asterisk here, because I still refuse to say it, earlier mm. in the season uh, on their big screens. So, a great win for Saints, and that probably was made even sweeter because of the clips and the highlights that they were playing as well. Yeah, I um, spent a bit of time about an hour or so ago just having a little browse through um, Fox's talk, which is seems to be the main Leicester forum, seeing their reaction to the game. And while obviously they're all a bit, bit peed off with how they played and stuff because they were pretty poor, I mm. thought. But um, one one of the sort of recurring themes was why the hell did we do that? <laughs> Um, with those with those pre-match clips, it's like, well, you're literally posting the team talk up on dressing room wall, aren't you? It's an incentive, isn't it? You know. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I yeah. mean, I guess there's the thought that the psychology of it, if you remind the players of it, then maybe they kind of go into their shells and and sort of cower from it. But I mean, I think the the form that we've shown over the last six weeks or so shows that that was always going to be unlikely. Mm. And I think uh, the photo of Jack Stevens, of course, doing the uh, Azuzi Perez kind of <laughs> capped it all, didn't it? That was brilliant. brilliant. But, uh, but um, Lucy, I mean, maybe not revenge for October, because I think, you know, that was quite a demolishing that we took. But absolutely, you know, what we spoke about last week, some pride and some respect, you know, restored by Saints. I think it was more than that, actually. I think yeah. you could have lost 2 or 3-1 and it still kind of restored a bit of pride. I think what surprised us all, given that we all either predicted draws or defeats, was that we actually looked the better team and, mm. and looked a team that could dictate play against a team that's obviously been the surprise package of the season in terms of how far up the league they are and I mean as Steve said we can't say that Leicester played particularly well because they didn't um, and I, I was surprised by how irked they were by our high press given that that's been our signature look through our upturn in form mm. this very kind of aggressive press I was actually surprised by how affected Leicester were by it um, particularly kind of Soyuncu and Chilwell looked really very uncomfortable with it Chilwell had a nightmare didn't yeah. he yeah he um, have you seen the stats on him yeah yeah I don't think he won a tackle or he gave away 36 balls or something Steve didn't he yeah 
Yeah. Gave away oh. possession 36 times. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah I went on the left. How is that even possible? <laughs> I went on the left the hashtag and they were all like, why is Tilwell playing? What's he doing? Oh, God. And it's no wonder Armstrong had quite a good game because Tilwell gave him so much freedom. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was surprised by A, how good we were in terms of being able to dictate play, but Le- Leicester were, were awful, if we're honest. I love it when we win games. We naturally are drawn to. Foxes talk, um, you know, the LCFC hashtag Arsenal TV, yeah, all yeah. those sort of things. We love it, don't we? But uh, Glenn, look, I mean, as the guys have said, absolutely, far from a, a smash and grab win for Saints, the stats back it up. And, you know, like Lisa said there, we didn't really let Leicester settle and they didn't play well, but maybe that's because we were really on our game. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that entirely. I mean, when Danny Ings had the two hit the crossbar twice mm. within a couple of minutes of each other, you know, the half times just after that, I, I was thinking, how are we not out of sight in this mm. game already? You know, we had the chances to be three or four goals ahead. Um, and that carried on in the second half. We, you know, we dominated the game. And uh, I mean, Danny Ings has been brilliant this season for his chance conversion rate as much as, you know, it's been one shot, one goal a lot this season. And he, he did miss a few, obviously, yeah. yesterday. And that that kind of kept Leicester in it. Um, but I, I totally echo what Lucy said. They were completely thrown out by the hassling that we gave them and Soyuncu has been getting great reviews all season so he's obviously played well against a number of different strikers he couldn't handle Shane Long at all absolutely he's not the first, Glenn. no he honestly he couldn't handle him and, and how I mean he did eventually get booked when that got rescinded mm. which is bizarre but um how he didn't get well it's Lee Mason is the reason he didn't get booked well, but no, he, no, it got rescinded because what happened after for him to get a booking was offside yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I get that, but he should have been booked about four other oh, times yeah, just for yeah, picking yeah. people over because yeah, he yeah. was he was rattled and he. Um... As soon as Ings cl- closed him down for that very early opportunity, mm. after that, he, his yeah. head went. He looked really perturbed by anything Ings or Long were doing. Yeah, I, I have to say, I was listening to our pod last week, and I, this feels like a good time to say it. I was I was thinking I didn't actually give my quick view on Shane Long, but for me, just to add to our conversation last week, I would give him an extra year, and it capitulates what you've just said there, Glenn, about uh, what he can still offer the team but the other thing I just wanted to say Glenn um, we all know that Saints have dropped 648 points over the last 12 months from winning <laughs> positions but Watford game Palace game yesterday that's now seven points that they've picked up in the last six weeks from losing positions so bearing in mind everything they've been through over the last couple of years you know real guts and character and belief I think it just shows that everything has improved mm. um, from the mentality that the, the belief in what we are doing has obviously improved and there's no there's no giving up in games now or looking like we haven't got a clue what we're doing. We believe in what we're doing and we're going to keep doing it regardless of the score. And at the moment, you know, we, if we get ourselves in a tight spot, we're getting out of it relatively comfortably. If we're one goal in front going into the last 10 minutes, there is now a feeling that, you know, we will get to the, the finish line still mm-hmm. in front. Whereas, you know, earlier on in the season and probably for the last three seasons, there's always been this, well, 92, 93, when, when are we going to let a go in? Mm. You know, um, and that's the whole team and the whole club just have this more positive air about it. Yeah, we, we were just talking before we started. I uh, travelled back from uh, TSP 100 Live and drove up to my, my uncle actually lives in uh, Oadby just out on the outskirts of Leicester and I drove up last night and got to Leicester about four o'clock and I thought I'll sit in the car and listen to the end of the football before I knock on his door and uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I was getting very hot and flustered like I think most people were and of course when I saw the uh, Saints tweet, because I didn't have it on the radio, of course when I saw the tweet saying 89 minutes uh, Johnny Evans has scored I was like I turned the air blue but you know quite quickly it was rescinded by uh, VAR but it was nice going around uh, the local pub uh, with my uncle last night as soon as we walked in we saw uh, 
three uh, gentlemen with Leicester scarves draped over the uh, the chairs. And when we were having dinner, there was a, a young lad with his uh, older parents, and the the father said to him uh, something along the lines of how did Leicester get on today did they win and I heard him say no they lost 2-1 to Southampton and literally the smugness was flowing through me it was glorious but uh, look I mean Steve I think like the last 20 pods we've spoken about Danny Ings pretty much um, you know again as Glenn's just said there he had a, a couple of great opportunities early doors he then hit the crossbar twice it was then a, a brilliant finish for the winner you know putting it through Schmeichel's legs and I also just want to do it as part of this answer Steve give a quick shout out to Shea Adams because we know he's been under a, a lack of confidence the last few weeks but a great through ball from him for the uh, goal as well yeah, and I think Adams will actually be really annoyed by it as well because it's exactly the exactly the through ball that he has <laughs> thrived on um, at Birmingham City. Yeah. So he would obviously love to have been in the in the reverse role in in that one. But at the end of the day, he's he's come on. He's had a key contribution to the game. He set up the winner, so that's that will have a given him a lot of confidence. B obviously gets him noticed. Yep. Um, so if Shane Long has one of his occasional sort of injury flare-ups then I don't think that anybody would necessarily be too concerned if Adams uh, has to take his place and uh, the other player I just wanted to comment on as well Lucy is um, Stuart Armstrong I know you tweeted before the game saying he put in a a great performance at Chelsea and we'll need something similar from him against Leicester Um, it's taken a little while with Stuart Armstrong hasn't it to get his opportunity and we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago but for me as well you know he's starting to become a real favourite player of mine because he he offers that side so much and great for him to get on the score sheet I think all four of us will absolutely give him that goal yeah absolutely I mean it was a horrible deflection but it was on you target, know, wasn't it? Yeah. It was on target, yeah. and, and he showed that intent, which is important, isn't it? I don't think when we bought him, anyone envisaged him playing the right side of a four-two-two-two or whatever. Mm. Um, but he's clearly doing that job well. My concern about him is that he does seem to fade out of games very quickly. Mm. Um, but no, but when he does does start well, um, he can have a really big impact. Um, and I think he probably plays a little bit more directly than say Ward Prowse was when he was playing in in that right side of position. Um, despite not being that natural right-sided player. Um, I don't understand why Chilwell gave him quite so much freedom, but he made the most of it. Um, Mm. And, yeah, I've been really encouraged by him. Um, I still, I'm not sure if he would always be my first choice in games where you expect dominate the ball. Um, I think he's very good at playing a more conservative role when when we're away from home, and I think we saw that against Chelsea as well. but I think he, he offers something slightly different to what we have elsewhere in the squad. Um, and, yeah, I think he's settled more into what Ralph expects of him. I think he was in and out quite a lot um, and is finding more of an established role now. So, um, no, I think that's one of those things you probably only see when, when the team's doing well. The richness of options Ralph now has in wide areas. Mm. Um, I think a while back we'd have probably said, oh, we can't count Armstrong as a wide player and, you know, Gineppo's been injured and all these kind of things start to get very negative whereas now you see the versatility there is in areas of the squad and I think he's one of the, one of those players yeah and post-game uh, Stuart Armstrong spoke to Southampton FC uh, here's what he had to say I think we're all very very happy with that result um, I thought we played really well created a lot of chances um, and I think we deserved our, our three points I think we wanted to make sure we put in a good performance um, not make amends for what happened but certainly show that we're a good team with good quality and um, I think we did that I think we we dominated parts of the game we had to take a little bit of pressure especially in the second half but off the ball we were great defensively we were great and I think as a team we just worked really well the other position I just briefly wanted to touch on Glenn um, goalkeeper you know we've had our trials and tribulations back there the last couple of years we know that but 
Alex McCarthy as well. He didn't have masses to do in the game, but a couple of big saves from Miniaccio's um, just towards the end, and at a real sort of alert goalkeeper at a very important time to get us the three points. Yeah, he's just got a presence about him, mm. um, more so than our other options. Um, and you know, I've um, you banged the drum for him a bit, haven't you? I did. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he's he's not been perfect since he's got in the side. He's he's flapped at a couple of crosses, for example, but he is the best option we've got. And he came up with those saves at the end. Um, Ian Acho got through, and McCarthy just came out and it hit him in the chest. Yeah. Uh, I mean that that's that's great goalkeeping. Mm. It, it's like I, he stood up big. He's made himself as big as he possibly can, and he's not known much about the actual save itself, but it's just by being in the right place. He's he saved it with not much fuss. Yeah. And it's been cleared and we've, you know, we've managed to hang on and win the game. But uh, none of our players are perfect and he's, he's not perfect either. But he's definitely the best that we've got by quite a long way. Yeah. And I think you'll agree and we probably just quick answer here. But again, I was thinking earlier, we've given Cedric a lot of criticism the last few weeks. I know you've given him uh, a bit of praise the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I think as a whole team, he's doing a really good job as well. And he's really stood up and, you know, he's, he's adding his value again now, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he did really well again. Mm. Um, it's, it's interesting that uh, if you take Twitter as an as a, <laughs> as a as a sample of people, which is always dangerous to do, but you, you, you start noticing a couple of people are saying, oh, I think we should offer him a new contract. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't Ste- go that steady off. I, I wouldn't yeah. go that no, honestly, yeah. I, I actually thought he struggled a little bit yesterday in the first half. Mm. Vardy got a few little runs into that channel. He always, um, he always struggles at various points in the yeah. game, and yeah, really, yeah. He, he just looks lightweight. But mm. he's he's done okay. Um, but I mean, I don't know if the club have actually offered him a contract or whether right. he's just said I don't want one, regardless of what it is. But I wouldn't go down that road with him. He's kind of made his bed and said he wanted to leave, and and that's that's the end of that. Yeah. But. Um, but no, he, he's you know he's he's put in a decent performance um, and and done well recently as have all of the back four yeah. and the keeper. Absolutely. Well, I, I decided, um, bearing in mind Shane Long's VAR was uh, equaled out by Johnny Evans' VAR, that we wouldn't waste any time talking about VAR tonight. But Steve, just to finish mm. on the Leicester game, um, this will be hard, but I want you to give it a go. Try and sum up the incredible journey between those two Leicester fixtures for Saints this season, because I mean it's it's been some journey by Ralph and the team when you think of the zero asterisks and that 2-1 win yesterday yeah I mean as I think we've we've mentioned before we kind of possibly don't even take the Leicester game as the bottoming out point I think the Everton game a couple of weeks later was that yeah Um, I I do actually I take mm, the Leicester game and and I guess it's just comparing the two it's comparing the two between that that sort of period between when we played them at home and when we played them away it kind of encompasses the whole journey doesn't it oh it's it's absolute chalk and cheese but Mm. it also it also demonstrates the the flux that you're always going to have in a in a league season. I mean, Liverpool aside, you don't tend to get a sort of entire season of consistency one way or the other. Um, and you only have to look at Leicester's performance both yesterday and kind of in the last last two or three weeks, really, over over Christmas, because they obviously took a bit of a pasting off both Man City and Liverpool in games that they were tipped to bloody a few noses and didn't really lay a glove on either of them and since then their confidence seems to have been shot to bits because yeah. I mean, Brendan Rodgers' shtick is mm. well um, I feed feed all these players with confidence they've got supreme arrogance and go out on the pitch and, and demonstrate it all if they haven't got that then they kind of don't really have anything yeah. and that's kind of that's kind of the position that we were in back in November when well October November when all of this was kicking off and it came to the, obviously the perfect storm on that night 
but of course it took until that international break for us to actually draw a line in the sand and, and sort of fully reset and everyone bang their heads together and work out what it is we we were trying to do because we weren't really functioning as any sort of entity really it was it was all a mishmash of unknowns there was a load of weird team selections going on there were players not putting in well potentially not putting in effort Mm. i always find it difficult to suggest that players are deliberately not playing properly yeah but you kind of look at some of the performances and you think well surely you have some professional pride here Mm. Um, it might might not have been the bottoming out in terms of you know the the style of play and all that and we yeah there was a few more weeks before we worked out what we were going to do but if you look at the the game we got thrashed in you've got angus gunn maya shida oriel romeo yannick vestergaard jan valerie they all played that day they've hardly played since so i think that was you know the big defeat was a game where Certainly, a few players, Ralph, worked them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they have, they have, none of those five have hardly set foot on the pitch since. So mm-hmm. that's a, a huge significance, I think, to getting to where we are now. Earlier this week, Saints carried out their latest fan forum event at St Mary's as they continue to follow a transparency strategy. I'm obviously not going to go through a blow-by-blow, but a couple of things I picked out from uh, watching it that I was keen to discuss with the guys. Um, Glenn, Ralph was asked about leaders in the squad and whether he felt he had enough. His response, um, which I'm paraphrasing slightly, was along the lines of, I don't want leaders on the pitch that talk and talk. I want to have leaders who are running and fighting and winning balls and playing good football. For me, that's more important. For example, Danny Ings is the first defender of the ball and he also decides matches with unbelievable goals. This is a leader for me. In your view, Glenn, is it hard to argue with that? Even if some of us, myself included, occasionally maybe feel that leaders are judged by how they sort of organise and communicate and inspire etc or uh, do you think there can be more than one style of leader I, I think it's a very simplistic way of looking at it what's the cliche lead by word or by deed mm. um, and you can do both also I think the role of a leader on the pitch has changed over the last few years um, I mean the best sort of leader I ever saw on a pitch was Roy Keane mm. but I don't think you could be like Roy Keane these days and just rule by fear and just go around threatening people all the time which is more or less what he did um if you go back a few years you had Keane, you had john terry who were very very vocal you need a vocal presence in defense certainly and that's one of the reasons we've done better recently with with jack stevens because he's the first defender who talks uh since joseph font if you look at the, the the captains in the in the big teams, and I'll admit I had to get some of you to uh, remind me of who they were. You've got Jordan Henderson, who I don't think is particularly vocal. He, I think he, he is. I think he talks he's very a bit, vocal. but yeah, I, he, I don't he, know. He, he likes to talk in the face of opponents. Yes, um, while sort of standing there in a scrappy do manner of let me at him, let me at him. While someone else <laughs> he's no, he's no Roy Keane, is well, he? I was going to say when, when you said Roy Keane, when when Ben said Roy Keane, the first thing that came into my mind was him chasing Andy Death around the pitch. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Leicester, nothing on the football front. Yeah, yeah, Leicester have got their goalkeeper as captain. Um, Man City seem to rotate it amongst players, none of whom you would call sort of like a ranter and a raver. Mm. So you definitely what, wouldn't Ra- call David Silver that, would you? No. So what what Ralph's talking about is you know players leading by example. Um, you know, our captain is Pierre. Obviously, um, he's not always the best. He has some games where he's a bit ropey, but he 
always tries to do the right thing and you can tell that he looks after himself properly and it's mm. you know and war prowse is the classic example of that he he will 100 percent be doing everything right behind the scenes so i think that's what he's talking about um he, he just wants wants players to lead by example and then others follow yeah i think there was a period where i was quite concerned you know because of hoi contract has now got what 18 months left on it mm. I was quite concerned the idea that we'd lose him because I, I couldn't really see where leadership was coming from apart from him. Mm. I think recently we've seen Wal Prowse and Jack Stevens both show a bit more. And I know you don't want to talk about classic vocal leadership. But I do think you need a bit of it. And I think yeah. we've seen much more from them in, in terms of that to the point where I'm not I'm not quite so intimidated by the idea of losing Hoybier for those leadership reasons. We um, miss him more for his playing. Yeah, yeah, I think now, yeah. But it's funny how it, you know, it's a confidence thing as well, isn't it? You're going to see when results are going better, players are going to have a little bit more character and confidence to shout yeah, and yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. But yeah, I think it's it's good. So uh, no, that, that's great, Glenn. Thanks for the answer. Um, Steve, look, moving on uh, then. Uh, obviously, Mr. Gow and uh, his ownership and vision came up. Um, it always does. Martin Simmons saying, as far as we know, Mr. Gow has no plans to sell it, as in it being the club. He sees it as a long-term project. He does absolutely no damage to the process of us being successful. I talk to him three times a week and we do the best we can. Um, so despite the sort of general cloak and dagger approach from Gow to date, Steve, do you think we should have more confidence on the future based on Simmons' answer that the club can and will move forward following the current financial model? I mean that quote. I mean, obviously, I've not I've not heard it in the context of the tone of his voice, but him saying that Gal does no damage to the club's like, well, what was being insinuated? So, so I think to be, fa- yeah, to, to be fair, I mean, I've watched it. I've watched it back. To be fair, the question was around from the audience was, you, you know, what is Mr. Gal's intentions? And his response was, he's not doing any damage that will mean that the club is going backwards. Right, well, there's okay. two quotes in there, isn't there? The as far as we know. What's yeah, that about? Because that was, I well, think, the, the question still, asked around whether he was going to sell it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah some rumours about, and he said, as far as we know, because of course, I guess they don't always know what the owner's intentions are. As far as they know, he's not planning, or they don't mm. believe he plans to sell it. I don't know whether whether you can have confidence when there's no real communication. Mm. Um, while Simmons is obviously saying that he communicates with Gal. By the sound of it, if he doesn't know what Gal's sort of long-term uh, thoughts are in terms of whether whether he's looking to sell at any given moment or um, or how long-term is long-term even if he if he says it's a long-term project, so the conversations he's having are on a sort of fairly sort of minute basis. They're going to be on a sort of week by week, maybe sort of planning a few months in advance, perhaps. Mm. But I don't I don't think that necessarily provides an awful lot of confidence mm. because while football naturally is a business that operates in the here and now you do have to take a long-term view on things yeah and if Simmons is kind of not necessarily being given the answers that he needs in order to to do that planning that could potentially be quite a big problem mm. No, absolutely. And uh, just before we come on to ask Lucy, um, it's not so much a question, but I think uh, there was a gentleman at the end um, who asked Ralph, um, pretty much said to Ralph, you know, we've we've had some really good managers the last few years. And when we've been on the cusp of something, we've lost them. So will you stay? Um, of course, Ralph couldn't really give any other answer in front of a load of people. But uh, he said, uh, quote, I see how much the club and board are believing in what I'm doing. It was a difficult time when we lost four games in a row, but maybe it needed this period to understand how much they are behind me and supporting me. This was a massive signal for me 
For me at the moment, it's the best job I can imagine and I want to go with this club for a long time. I can't imagine anything better. Such a big challenge to be successful with a club like this in the best league in the world and that demands so much from you and that's exactly what I want to do. So that was positive to hear. I know we know that money talks and big clubs can come in for him at some point and that sort of thing but at the moment again alongside the results that are happening on the pitch it's good to hear Ralph talking positively Lucy moving on then the final question so the panel were also asked about clarifying some previous taking our eyes off the balls comment I, I think they were keen to sort of uh, the gentleman that asked was keen to understand what the club meant by taking their eye off the ball so Martin Simmons answered that point by clarifying and, and quoting him here the club need to get their eye back on the ball by focusing on the academy to first team path again um, that he said they'd lost for 18 months or so and that's quote what Matt Crocker is back to help with Ralph also supported that answer Lucy by affirming that the club must start playing the same style in all younger levels as the first 11 do he called that crucial which would seem to imply that it wasn't necessarily happening under Jaidi or people like that so you know it all seems to make sense right yeah I think so I think we got into a, a period where perhaps as a result of our early successes there was this kind of assumption that we could work purely on profits in the transfer market. You know, we buy a player at 10 million, sell him on for 40, jobs are good and reinvest the money. Yeah. Now, the fact is that the recruitment's been terrible, so you, you can't count on that. Um, and I think they're realising now that while they were becoming obsessed with these profit-making um, antics in the transfer market, they, they lost sight of the other element which has historically made us good, which mm. is the academy. Now, I have to say... I think the academy gets overstated mm. um, in, in our success. I don't think actually there have been that many players that have made a founding contribution. But what I do think it does is it connects the club with the fans. It brings a feel-good factor. Um, and I think it it's actually a much better way of providing, if you want to think about profits in the transfer market and that kind of thing, I think they're realising that that's actually a much easier way of renewing the bank account. I think you've seen mm. that quite a lot of top-rate clubs bringing through youngsters through their academy and then selling them to a you know the next echelon down. Mm. Um, Liverpool have done that kind of thing. Man City have done that kind of thing. Um, and it, it boosts your coffers as well. So, I mean, on that kind of cynical level, it works much better as well. Um, so I think he's dead right about making sure you're playing the same system across all of your age groups. I think there have been doubts about recent academy players that have come into the team about whether they can deal with the kind of high press intensity that that Ralph wants to use. So I think that probably needs to be used throughout. Um, but I think it's certainly a positive change and something which can work on all levels for the fans and, and for the club from a business perspective. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's a good move. To finish this week's podcast, we're previewing next weekend's St Mary's fixture against Wolves. Wolves will arrive at St Mary's with a record of play 22-1-7, which is actually less than us now. Drawn 10, lost 5, although that's half of what we've lost, and 31 points. They've only won two Premier League games in their last seven, though. Lucy, what sort of test are you expecting from Wolves? I'm quite surprised by how... Their form hasn't been that great recently, and um, I've seen extended highlights of their game against Newcastle this week, mm. and I was quite surprised. Given the relative quality of that squad, they're not really quite there at the moment. I think 
they're always well organized and they have their system down to a t that three five two or three four three they played a couple of variations of it they have a very clear identity in in how they play um i think jimenez is probably one of the the better strikers outside the top four um I think he's an incredible, a, a kind of very well-rounded centre forward, and the kind of player we don't often see in the Premier League anymore. So he he would worry me from a Saints perspective. He's kind of Pella plus, isn't he? Mm. Yes, yes, he's got a bit more. A bit more shots to goals ratio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that too. Um, and yeah, I think he's the player that I probably most envy. I think in the middle of the park, they're very capable with Neves and Moutinho of dominating mm. possession. So I think, again, it's about being aggressive, um, which we've obviously been very good at recently, and, and not letting them hold and dictate the ball, because I think that's when you, you get into trouble with them. So yeah. I think it's going to be a kind of match that's decided in the middle of the pitch, and I think Hoybier and Warprouse are going to have to be really on it, I think. Steve, when we did uh, our preview of the away game earlier in the season, um, you quite rightly mentioned about Wolves' small squad and the fact that they would obviously have Premier League and Europa League commitments and uh, you know it may catch up with them. So based on all of the games they've played this season, they're obviously still doing well in the Cup and that sort of thing. What have you made of them? Um, they've surprised me, actually. Because mm. um, yeah, I, I fully expected with their small squad that with the Christmas fixtures and all that sort of stuff that they would have just collapsed in a heap. Yeah. Um, through fatigue. I mean, they've, they've certainly had more injuries this season than they had throughout the whole of last year. Yeah. Um, obviously, Bolly's out for a prolonged period of time. Um, I think Hotter may still be out for next week, mm. um, which would be a bonus, I think, because um, I don't think um, Neto's... Neto. I don't, no. think he's, I don't think he's anywhere near on the same. He's only a teenager still, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of work to do there. But, of course, um, Traore has kind of come to the fore for Wolves this season. Whereas in previous years and for both Villa and um, Middlesbrough, he was seen as a bit of a joke mm. character in that, he, in that he could run stupidly fast with the ball. But then he would basically get his legs tangled over and shank the ball out for a, for a goal kick. Yeah. Um, he's got He's got some end product to his game now. And that's a concern and but it also means that they're playing a lot of their a lot of their stuff through him now yeah. as opposed to the sort of slightly more um composed build up they don't play quite as deep defensively which does then mean that if you're a little bit more bold against them you're not kind of setting yourself up to be ambushed on the counter attack all the time yeah um so i think we go into that with certainly with more confidence than we did against them last season mm. and yet yeah. we, we beat them very very comfortably last season they yeah. were really poor yeah they had that thing last season though where they they couldn't really beat the teams below them they had their no. amazing results in against the top six and then when it came to going away to teams that aren't very good they, mm. they somehow kind of collapsed and no one really understood why yeah, yeah. Well, and last, not, last year against average, last year against them um they their back three struggled because we put three right up front against them they couldn't deal with it, and I don't think their defence is actually that good when pressed. Especially when Polly's not available, as we've been yeah. saying, with his mm. broken leg. I it'll be very, will. very interesting to see whether Ralph's almost seen. You know, he hasn't messed around with the tactics at all during this run that we've had, and I, I think he'd be loath to do it for this game. But the, the three up front that we played last year was definitely a major factor in beating them. So yeah, maybe there'll be a little, uh, a little tweak this uh, this week. But uh, who knows? Because I think their Europa League um, campaign starts up the following week. Is that right? Or is it the week after? Yeah, it can't be long, can it, until it comes um, back? Home, so, 
the games are going to start mounting up again. I mean, they've got a pretty kind draw mm. against Espanyol, who last time I looked were bottom of La Liga. Mm. Um, so I don't think they'll necessarily be resting anybody, but it's one of those issues. Once you get into knockout football, where do you prioritise? And if Wolves are thinking, well, realistically, we're, we've got a pretty good chance of winning this competition because we could beat anybody on our day. Yeah. Um, they might chuck all their eggs in the Europa League basket and leave things a bit open. I mean, let's, let's also not forget, we're only three points behind them now, which is fairly Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, you, you look at our, our away record. We've, we've won five out of 11 away games this mm, season. Mm. We've got a positive goal difference away from home. Um, as I've walked, uh, as it happens, they, uh, but they've, I think they've only won three away from home, but they've, um, yeah, they've got a goal difference of plus one, but their, their away games tend to be very low scoring. Yeah, it does seem incredible that our, despite losing zero asterisks, um, that we're only minus 12, so we've done really well. But, uh, Glenn, look, um, I made a joke in the intro for those that are still listening and heard it about Fortress St. Mary's, but we've won three of our last five Premier League games at home, four and six if you include the cup game, Glenn. So, are there signs that, as uh, you know, Ralph mentioned in the fan forum, that home is appearing to feel a little bit more like home now? I think we, we're playing the style of football now that gets fans engaged mm. with the team. Um, and I think it's more than just, I don't think you can really split it home and away. We, we're now playing at home the way we have been playing away, and we're just generally playing better. Yeah. I mean, the two, the two wins we had against um, Watford and Norwich were very poor sides at that particular time though Watford have obviously improved since but um, we look like we can score goals now we're obviously a lot tighter at the back so um, I wouldn't go so far as saying it's a fortress but <laughs> it's <laughs> certainly not a graveyard but it's, yeah yeah I'm not I'm not turning up <laughs> thinking how many are we going to lose by yeah. you know which is you know which is a good thing and, and the the players will hopefully be there's a lot made about, you know, some of them were, were frightened to perform at some areas because, mm. you know, the first thing that went wrong, they would mm. be, you know, getting crowd on the back and all that sort of stuff. Um, hopefully that's gone now. So if any of the players were feeling like that, hopefully they're not feeling like it now and yeah. they feel like they can go out and, and perform. And uh, whilst I don't think it will ever be a fortress, it's uh, <laughs> it's certainly a place where we can win more than we lose these days. No, exactly. And, look, it was interesting. I, I was going to mention it in the Leicester thing. I've just remembered it now. But I thought it was interesting, actually, that at the away game yesterday, Saints, for whatever reason, I mean, I guess maybe I was thinking psychologically, but they wore the yellow away kit rather than the red one that you would have thought naturally they would have worn. Um, of course, they wore that at Newcastle and lost, and they've done very well in the yellow kit. So I'm not sure if he's now decided from a psychological point of view they'll wear the away kit away as much as they can, but who knows? But but uh, yeah, um, look, I mean, Lucy, the last thing I was going to bring up, and you've actually raised it earlier, is it is funny how things swing within football. Um, they're playing well, they're picking up results, and as you hit the nail on the head, he's now got competition within the squad for places, which he didn't necessarily have before with the injuries. Yeah, definitely. And as I said earlier, I think it's the opportunity that probably someone like Gineppo or Buffal might quite enjoy. Mm. Um, I think, to go back to what Steve was saying, I think it's going to be about getting a grip on Triore and Jimenez quite quickly otherwise I think they're, they're going to be quite a threat on the break um, but no it's very good from a Saints perspective that we feel like Ralph has options I think we know that vaguely what it will be that 4-2-2-2 but there are probably you know two or three positions that he might tweak and tinker with um, 
you know, we, we talked about Adams having that a really, really good assist, I think, uh, intelligent assist and, and kind of a couple of good touches before before he put Ings through as well. I think there's a decent argument for for Adams to have a go, although many will disagree with me. Yeah. Um, it's been my, my campaign for the season. I, I feel like there's, there is a player in there. I know Glenn last week was saying he didn't think there was, but mm. I still think that after a period under, under Ralph and a period where the team isn't quite under pressure, and yeah. um, he might come good. So, yeah, no, I think there are a few positions that we have options with, which is great, and, mm. and a few positions where you need that solidity and reliability that we now have, you know, that centre-back partnership, the central midfield partnership, you know, areas that we were really despairing about at one, at one point in the season. Yeah. There's now that solidity to it, which is really good. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Shea Adams, because... Uh, Phil Hay, who obviously used to work for uh, the Leeds Post, I believe. Um, he's, of course, the Leeds United writer for The Athletic, whilst promoting 40% off the Leeds podcast, um, of course, uh, was also commenting that he still believes that uh, Shea Adams is uh, potentially going to go to Leeds. Uh, that was as uh, soon as uh, this afternoon. So we'll see what happens with that one. Of course, Ralph said he was hoping to keep him. Um, Lucy, let's get some predictions for the wall game. Uh, you can go first this week. I think I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Yeah. I, I was hoping I'm you still were going to set being, the tone, you see, after last I was still comments. being quite conservative, yeah. uh, mainly because I keep pinching myself because I can't quite believe it's happening. Um, but, yeah, I just I think this can't go on forever. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it can. You. you were being negative last week about me following you, um, but I'm going to go for a one-all draw as well. So I'm, I, you know, yeah, between us, yeah. I think we, I've, I've brought you down to my level, I think, but yeah, I do, I do, well, exactly, I do definitely think we can win the game, but of course I'm not going to predict that, because uh, if I do, they will lose. So obviously, I think we can win, but I'm going to go for a safe one-all just in case. Um, Steve or Glenn, Steve or Glenn, let's go to Steve. I fancy us in this one. Uh, Two-nil. 2-0, blimey, a rare clean sheet as well. So They're less rare these days, aren't they? Yes, it? we do occasionally get them now. <laughs> Two in the last three, isn't it, or something? But uh, yeah, mm. there we go. So Cool. Um, Glenn, bring us home in glory then. Uh, I think we're going to win this. Um, I was going to go, I was, I'm in an hour in between 2-0 and 2-1, and just to make it interesting, because Steve said 2-0, I'll go for 2-1. Thanks as always for listening to our chat on Total Saints podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a long, long weekend, but uh, absolutely, I think for all of us, full of ups, ups, and probably some more ups. Um, ultimately, it feels like we're all emotionally shattered. I think life as a saint is never easy. Eh? Thanks to Lucy, Steve, and Glenn for their always committed opinions. We'll be back next week for episode 99, reflecting on the Wolves game and ahead to the fourth round FA Cup tie. We'll also hopefully have the Daily Echoes Dan Sheldon back with us to chat about transfer window progress, and who knows, maybe we'll even have some movement in the transfer window before then watch this space I guess until then enjoy your week and keep marching in
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be fine. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.